Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Wow. It's like the Super Bowl or something. Well, good morning. My name is Liz, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. So one day, um, Dan and I were out on the church uh, lawn property of the previous church that we used to work at in Baton Rouge, and we were sitting down um, under the shade. We had these majestic tall pine trees there. We had some Adirondack kind of furniture out on the property. It was a beautiful property. So we're sitting down on our little uh, furniture around the fire pit, even though it's too hot to use a fire pit like ever in Louisiana. We're sitting there, and it's this lovely moment. And our, we're sitting there with our good friend and pastor who tells us during this moment that he is leaving for another job in California. And I had that sinking feeling that you have, like, oh, where the, kind of, the blood kind of drains out, and you're just not ready to hear the news that somebody is telling you. And I wasn't ready for this change. I would go on to experience this uh, loss as a significant one, like professionally, but also personally. And so as the months kind of counted down to his departure, you know, I started kind of feverishly planning in my mind of what I was going to do to kind of escape this situation, right? Like, well, I could pack up, we could go to California, we could work with John at his new church. But ultimately, was that what I wanted to do? No, I did not want to move to California. My heart longed for the Midwest. I thought, well, I could, you know, I could also just get another job and move out along with him, skip the pastor transition and all the stuff that goes with it. But then as my thoughts started to slow down um, and I started to kind of come to terms with what was happening, I realized that I had to walk through the uncomfortableness of this situation, of my boss changing and leaving, um, of the people that would inevitably turn over in our congregation, um, and the challenge it is to care for others through the process of change. Because as I learned during this season was that when you experience change, your brain registers it as some type of loss. And so that's why we struggle with change a lot of times. Um, I was also serving on the National Leadership for Kids Ministry at the time, and we had this retreat in Colorado. And during one of those prayer times, um, kind of like Dan was talking about, I got prayer for just kind of my situation with um, the transition, my job, and the things that I was struggling with. And in that session, somebody, the person that was praying for me, she just called it out very clearly, you are still grieving the loss of John. And it was like God just kind of like put this finger on this part in my heart and opened the little lever of pain that I had kind of been containing and it like all came out you know like Holy Spirit takes over and it's just the uncontrolled weeping that you really are embarrassed is happening but it's happening right so you're crying and snotting and heaving and making loud noises and it's just happening 
but it's the, it's the release and the healing that I needed, that I was holding on to those emotions without letting them out. So we've been going through this book called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, and author Pete Cesaro says this in his book. Our society has trained us well to pay attention to success, but not to loss and pain. And yet loss demands to be grieved and pain cries out to be felt. In order to keep these feelings at bay, we develop a variety of coping strategies, many which take the form of substance abuse. Now, our coping strategies can be so many things, right? They can be things like shopping and food and entertainment. They can manifest in unhealthy relationships or attachment, pornography, alcohol, really anything that just distracts us from feeling our feelings. Pete goes on to say, year after year, we avoid the difficulties of life and minimize our failures and disappointments. This results in a widespread inability to face pain. And here's the kicker of what Pete says. When we refuse this work of embracing our our losses, our sorrows, we block the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And this contributes to the superficiality that we can find within the church and a profound lack of compassion. Maybe you've experienced that. You've been around people and you've experienced a lack of compassion. And maybe you've experienced it in your own life or until the Holy Spirit takes the lid off of some of those things, you can't quite get past a certain point. Now, the way we like to do loss collectively in our society reminds me of, yet again, another running analogy, okay? Now, I know today is a big football day, and I should be giving analogies about football, but I told you last week that I'm not the biggest football fan. I'll be there, I'll cheer, whatever, but what... What I really love is running. So that's where my brain was. I thought I'd just carry on the analogy from week to week. So in track and field, there's an event called the hurdles, right? If you've seen the hurdles, you know what the hurdles are? Okay, I never wanted to do the hurdles because they looked hard, right? This is how hard they are, okay? Um, I personally stuck to the 400-meter race, which is just one lap around the track without any hurdles, okay? But I feel like sometimes the way we handle losses feels like we're running the hurdles and we're just failing. But then we get right back up and we go to the next hurdle and we jump over it or we fall over it or it hits us and smacks us and we just brush off the the injury and we get back up and we're like, we're good, we're good, like we're good, we're good, we're just going to keep going, right? That's what it's like, because inevitably there's going to be hurdles in life. And when you fall over them and you fail really bad, it's going to hurt. And sometimes you have to stop, you have to attend to that injury, take some time off, go to physical therapy so you can get back up and do it again. 
When I was a senior in high school, we had a winning 4x4 team, and I was on the team, okay? And a 4x4 team in in track is four people doing the 400-meter run, okay? And you have, you know, a baton, and you run one lap, and you pass it off to the next person until you get through your four people. And we were so good, we were headed to state. It was an exciting time, and in my high school's gym, um, there was, you know, on the side of the gym, like a list of the different record holders and various sports, you know, and up there is track and field, four by four. And I thought, this is how I'm going to leave my mark as a senior. I'm going to have my name up there because we're going to win the event and it's going to be super exciting. Like, I get to see, like, my name. Garmin was my uh, maiden name. Liz Garmin, you know, and the other people, four by four, great. So one day we're out to practice and we're doing drills, which is like um, running form drills, you know, like high knees, butt kicks, things like that. And you do it like over a 20 meter uh, space. So you line up and one person goes, the next person goes. And so we're doing high knees and the person in front of me decides to stop short of her 20 meter space And I'm in mid-high knee form when this happens. And so she stops short, and I can't do anything about it, and I come down on the back of her heel, okay? And then I just fall to the ground. I have sprained and rolled my ankle, and I have to go on crutches. And guess what? I don't run the 4 by 4 I go to the event, and I watch the sub who takes my place in the 4 by 4 win the event and get their name on the board at my high school. So that was the legacy that I left due to one person stopping short in our drills. It's these little losses in life big and small, that add up in our souls. And what Pete says is that losses that are not grieved accumulate in our soul like heavy stones that weigh us down. Losses happen in all shapes and sizes. They can be dreams that die, leaders or friends that move away, Marriages that end, betrayals that happen. They can be external crises. They can be things happening in the economy. Can be natural disasters. Just be things like our hopes unfulfilled. Or it can be global pandemics that we don't see coming, right? That hijack our life, change our circumstances. And we never got to finish X, Y, and Z, right? Things were just halted in the middle of, that, of what was happening. So there are three phases of grief and loss that Scripture illuminates for us. One is pay attention to pain. Pay attention to pain. Wait in the confusing in-between when it's not resolved yet. And then third, allow the old to birth the new. Now, none of these really seem like things you want to get a head start on this week, right? You're not like, oh yeah, let me just put down one and two in my calendar right now and I'll get started on them. Even three, like 
we want to birth the new, but we don't want to birth it out of the old, right? We just want, like, everything to be resolved now, right? So these are ways, these are invitations that you, you open yourself up to the reality of what's going on in your life without shutting things out with distraction or even denial. Now this morning, we're going to look at John 11, where Jesus wrestles through this experience of losing a close friend named Lazarus. And we're going to kind of see these principles highlighted. And I'm going to read to you kind of a long chunk of um, John 11. It's going to be on the screen as well. But it's not so boring because it is a story. So you can kind of hang with a longer reading of Scripture this morning. So in the village of Bethany, there was a man named Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. One day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So his sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Please come. When he heard this, he said, the sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Finally, on the third day, he said to the disciples, come, it's time to go to Bethany. But teacher, they said to him, do you really want to go back there? It was just a short time ago. The people of Judea were going to stone you. Jesus replied, are there not 12 hours of daylight in every day? You can go through a day without the fear of stumbling when you walk in the one who gives light to the world. But you will stumble when the light is not in you for you'll be walking in the dark. Then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has fallen asleep. It's time to go and awaken him. When they heard this, the disciples replied, replied, Lord, if he has just fallen asleep, then he'll get better. Jesus was speaking about Lazarus's death, but the disciples presumed he was speaking, he was talking about natural sleep. Then Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust me. Come, let's go and see him. So Thomas, nicknamed the twin, remarked to the other disciples, let's go so that we can die with him. Always a little humor in some Jesus stories, right? So why didn't Jesus do something in this situation? Where was he? Have you ever asked that question to God in your own circumstance? God, where were you? Mary and Martha were asking this very same question. In fact, they were crying out this question. Lazarus had already died all of Mary and Martha's family and friends gathered around them 
and they consoled them over this loss of their brother. They were in full grief mode. They were paying attention to their pain in this moment. They, they had a little bit more of that collective society uh, like that, that honors grief and, and has space for it, right? So they're already in this paying attention to grief. But where was Jesus? Why didn't he come? This is that confusing in-between time where there's not, there's not real clarity. Jesus said like, that he wasn't going to die, but he did. So in the, they're in this waiting, in-between, confused state. Now, on this big football day, maybe you have also been waiting. Maybe you've been waiting 37 years, the entire um, light time I've been alive on this earth for the Chicago Bears to go to the Super Bowl. Well, I guess they've gone already one time in 2007, right? But to win the Super Bowl, maybe you've been waiting in the confusing in-between time for 37 years. And you might have to just keep waiting in the confusion. I don't have a lot of advice for you. Maybe other than get a backup team, right? You know, cheer for some other team like you're going to today and just go with their winning streak. Mary and Martha were confused in the in-between waiting. They got this message from Jesus. They told Jesus, hey, Lazarus is deathly sick. You need to come now. And then Jesus writes back, it won't end in death, but in this glorious revelation of the Son of God. That seems hopeful, right? That seems like God's going to do something. He's going to intervene. But then Lazarus died, and, and Jesus didn't come. And Jesus didn't even tell his disciples what was going on. He's just silent for two days. What was happening during those two days? Then he finally breaks the silence and tells his disciples, hey, we're going to Bethany. But the last time they went, he was threatened to death. So it was a huge risk to everyone to go back there. And his disciples knew it because, you know, Thomas finally speaks up kind of tongue-in-cheek and said, yeah, let's go with him to die also, Jesus. That sounds like a good plan, right? It was a dangerous situation. So let's continue to read what happens here in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, my Lord, if you had only come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. She replied, yes, I know he will rise with everyone else on resurrection day. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection and I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then Martha replied, yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the son of God who has come into the world for us. Then she left and she hurried off to her sister, Mary, and called her aside from the mourners and she whispered to her, the master is here and he's asking for you. 
And so when Mary heard this, she quickly went off to find him, for Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha met him. Now, when Mary's friends who were comforting her noticed how quickly she ran and got out of the house, they followed her, assuming that she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. And when Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were grieving with her, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. He said to them, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you, they replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Yet others said, isn't this the one who opened blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Then Jesus said, with intense emotions, then Jesus, with the ten intense emotions, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance, and Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now, his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you will believe in me, you will see God unveil his power? So they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into heaven and said, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer, for you listen to every word I speak. Now, so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to the earth as your messenger, I will use the power you have given me. Then, with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. And he comes out. It's so powerful and so human, this story. Jesus is there with tears streaming down his face. He's so tender to pay attention to his pain and the pain of others. And he does not bypass the pain to get to the miracle. Do you see that? He, he feels in himself and with the people that he loves. He doesn't change and shortchange the process. One little quib here that Jesus just like out of nowhere is like, I'm just going to throw in this little parable and then keep talking. He's weird like that sometimes, I'm, I'm telling you. So he has this weird little parable where he talks about the darkness and the light and the day, having 12 hours of daylight, and you're like, what, Jesus, what are you saying? And why did you just say that? And so what, what I think he's saying is like, hey, there's 12 hours of daylight. Everybody gets to see in the sunlight where they're going, right? But when, when it comes to the nighttime, we stumble in the darkness. You can't see where you are going. But if you stay close to the light of this world, which he was, the light, you do not need to fear stumbling in the darkness. 
Because darkness will come as surely as the day turns to night. The world is going to serve you up trouble. You can guarantee it. And it will feel dark. And it'll feel like Jesus is not there. Like he didn't come. But if you stay close to him, in the same way that if you were walking in the dark forest or outside in the dark without light, and you had a flashlight, and you had to pay attention to that light so that you could walk carefully where you were going, if you stay close to Jesus as the light, you will not stumble. You will be okay. You will make it to the other side of that darkness. You'll be able to resist the temptation and the vices that that call out for you to stumble in the darkness and just numb everything and shut it all out. Follow and stay close to the light. Even when it's confusing, even when you're in the in-between and it doesn't make sense and there's no clarity. So what did Jesus do during that in-between time, during those two days? You know, he gets to this point where um, he thanks God for hearing his prayers before he rolls away the tomb, the stone. And I don't think that he's thanking God for hearing him in that moment. I think he's thanking God for the two days of talking to God. I think he spent two days wrestling and praying and talking to God. He needed wisdom to go back to this threatening location where people just wanted to kill him. He needed strength and power to figure out, okay, I know this is going to reveal who I am. How can I do that, Lord? How can I glorify you in this situation? He didn't want to hijack the mission of the cross. But he knew he needed God's wisdom and power in this situation. So after paying attention to pain, after moving through the confusing in-between, we get to this beautiful scene where the new is birthed from the old. Lazarus is resurrected. He comes out of the tomb, and Jesus redeems the dead things. Jesus is the resurrection life. He redeems all things. But sometimes in number three, we can stay stuck. We can stay victim to our disappointments and just kind of carry them around as baggage and frustration because we haven't really ever dealt with them. And so what Jesus offers us in this story is that sometimes you and I have to come out of the tomb. We have to come out of the darkness. When when Lazarus comes out, they take off his burial cloth. Sometimes we have to take off those dead things so that we can come fully into the new thing that God is inviting us to. So the invitation this morning that you have is to take off the burial cloths and awaken to God's restoration in your life.
That's what we get to leave with. See, Jesus' goodness is so much more than we can imagine, especially when we're stumbling around in the darkness and we're trying to numb and distract ourselves. But he's doing a new thing. Will you trust him? Will you step out? Will you go to find him and throw yourself down at his feet like Mary did and just let the pain out so that you can walk into the new thing he has for you. That's his invitation for you this morning. So I'm going to leave us with um, just a simple exercise. It's called uh, exploring the iceberg. And this is the call to action that helps you like, okay, I need to navigate some of these regular things in life. Where do I start? I'm not really good at feeling my feelings. I don't do this very often. That's okay. Pete Cesaro says he didn't do it for like half of his life or more. And so he uses this uh, exercise as a way, like a diagnostics with Jesus' presence. Hey, help me see below the surface. So here's what we do. Go to Jesus' presence. There's a quiet spot, a quiet place where you can just have some time and listen to what's below the surface. So you just talk to God about these questions. Just give it like two minutes. Okay, what, what emotions start surfacing? And you talk to God about it. So here's the questions. One, what are you angry about? Okay, God, what am I angry about? Just ask him. Notice what comes up. Maybe you already know, and you talk to him about that situation. And you just talk more. Maybe you write it out, whatever. What are you angry about? What are you sad about? Those are some examples that you can just think of. I mean, they can be simple things. This is like every day we're mad, sad, angry, something comes up, right? And then there's two more questions. What are you anxious about? Talk to God about that. And maybe you linger on one, and that's really the question of the day. And then what are you glad about? Talk to God about that. And you just talk to God in his presence. So I'm going to invite the band back up um, as we move to worship. I did this exercise this week over something that I, you know, thought was simple. And I said, God, I'm angry about blank. And as I'm talking, I'm like waiting. Okay, I'm just going to talk to God about what's below the surface here. And as I'm talking to God about what I'm angry about, more comes out than I even knew I was angry about, Right? And I start like, yeah, and then I start feeling that kind of puff up, rise up feeling of like when you get angry and kind of worked up about something. As I'm talking to God, that kind of starts happening. I'm like, oh, there's more there than I realized. And then eventually I even, I even shedded a tear and started crying because I was like, actually, I'm really hurt even about this situation. And then I started talking more and then I finally got down to the core of like, Actually, God, this is the thing that I need that's lacking. And I can get that from you. And now I can move on. And I don't have to be triggered every time this thing comes up or I, you know, something happens that triggers it because, like, I know the thing that I need from Jesus. And I can just stick to that. Then keep projecting the 
stupid stuff, the anger and the sadness that I feel, because that becomes just the place where you get stuck in darkness. So it's just a simple thing that brings out the emotions that we like to just push down because they suck. (laughs) They do. So we bring it out. We bring it to Jesus. We can figure out what we need for him, and we can move on to the new thing that he has for us because surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Let's pray as we move to worship. God, thank you that you made us complex humans. It was your good design to make us that way. And so thank you that you don't leave us as complex humans, but you were one yourself. And and tears streamed down your face as well. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us and being our savior, being the light of the world that puts death and darkness to final defeat, and that you are the resurrection life. So I just invite your presence here as we stand and we worship you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org.